Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am the host of the show. joining me for episode 27 I think it's very lovely to have you here if you are a new listener thank you so so much you are very welcome to this podcast I started this about a year ago and I wanted to basically find people and businesses and campaigns that are doing something good for the planet in any way chat to them get to know them learn from them and we the listeners take a leaf from their book and add it to our own way of eco-friendly living which is where the name comes from so that's what it's all about and for any regular listeners thank you so so much I really appreciate you coming back and this episode as you can see is with Mary Reynolds so if anyone doesn't know who Mary is she hails from Wexford that's where I grew up as well we've got that in common basically she's a garden designer and she I think is the youngest person ever to have won the Chelsea Flower Garden Show or Chelsea Garden Flower that you know the big flower garden show in Chelsea well she won that in 2002 and basically since then was working as a garden designer but has kind of taken her work more out of controlling gardens to look a certain way and be pretty and neat to letting them rewild which is more beneficial to the environment and to nature and its inhabitants and that includes us. So about a year or so ago, she started this campaign called We Are The Ark, which is encouraging people to give back some of the land that they're on to nature, basically. And we'll talk about that in detail in this podcast, why it's important and how to do it, basically. So I hope that you find some inspiration from this. There is a Facebook group called We Are The Ark, which is another really supportive community. I know Social media can be a bit of a head melt for a lot of people and I totally understand that. But if you are someone who is is on Facebook, I find it's all about following the right things, following the right pages and the right people for you. So I'm in a lot of, say, vegan groups and zero waste groups and groups like We Are The Ark and there's a lot of hope and suggestions and positivity. So I really do enjoy finding groups like that and finding like-minded people that wouldn't necessarily be in my friend circle all the time. And if I've got questions about my garden or growing food or something vegan related, there's a community of people that are willing to help. So while social media can be tricky, this is one of those really lovely supportive groups that, as we'll talk about, is just full of hope. So I will link that in the show notes. And everything else, as usual, that Mary mentions will also be linked in the show notes, including the We Are The Ark website. But before I introduce you to Mary, I just want to ask if you can support this podcast, I would really appreciate if you could share it around, if you could share it with a friend, recommend it by word of mouth is always the best way. And that's how I listen to most of the podcasts that I listen to is someone recommending them to me or share them on Facebook or Instagram. I'm on Instagram as well, Book of Lee's Podcast. I'm on Twitter too. So that that would be a huge help. And if you can financially support this podcast, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash book of leaves, which is a way that if you have the spare money from from life that you're not spending on coffee now or whatever. I would really appreciate one or two euro a month. And if you can't commit to a monthly contribution, I have a site on buymeacoffee.com where you can donate one or two coffees once off. 
and that is buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves so if you could do any of that it would really really help go towards the web the website and podcast hosting fees and that would be amazing thank you so much to everyone who's already donated i really really appreciate it now without further ado here is mary reynolds and don't forget to stick around afterwards for some really quick notes enjoy morning Mary thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me this morning you're very welcome on Book of Leaves. No problem it's lovely to, to be here for a place for getting up early. Oh no problem <laughs> at all it makes me feel a bit more productive about the day it's great. Um, <laughs> come here we'll jump straight in you are the person who came up with the really great campaign that's We Are The Ark so can you tell us why what inspired you originally to start this? Well Originally, I was a garden designer. I worked all over the world in gardens and, and kind of slowly I've been kind of talking myself out of that by observation that the land doesn't want to stay like I had told it to, you know. So I, I originally, I think back about four or five years ago, I published a book, um, maybe four years ago, published a book and um, that was mostly, that was almost to the point of We Are The Art, but it was about growing your own food in a way that would allow the land to become what it wants to become. But I've always been trying to figure out how to um, make a living and still do this and still protect the land. But I finally come to the conclusion that you can't. <laughs> so one morning I was looking out over um, my garden and I saw a fox running past. And this was not last winter, the winter before. And just following the fox, there was two hares chasing him across the garden, which was quite unusual. And then um, I looked out and there was what I remember to be a family of hedgehogs, but I think it was probably just one along the edge of a hedge and they're supposed to be asleep and they're nocturnal. And so I thought, right, there's something going on. So I ran, I went outside and I went in the direction they were coming from and I could hear machinery. And I live on a country lane and at the end of the lane, across the road, there had been this incredibly beautiful thicket of a field, which was full of thistles and brambles and hawthorn and blackthorn and gorse and it was completely impenetrable and somebody had got planning permission at the top of the field and they'd gone in with a digger and they'd done what everybody does um, and they completely cleared out the field to make a garden without any thought for any of the creatures that we're sharing this world with and I had done the same thing myself so many times and that was the end of my efforts to be designer of any kind really um yeah so I went home and decided that um all these wild creatures that we're not taking care of you know they've nowhere left to go they can't go out into agricultural fields because they're poisoned and the habitats are being stripped bare to maximize the inches that farmers can make profits upon you know that's that's what they're supported to do they're not supported to protect nature that's not even that doesn't even come into it now that there is new cap proposals coming along which seem to be different but we'll see but with we are the ark i went inside and started writing another book and then i decided god that's just going to take too long so i rang my friends claire and um joe and they have a forest garden with me up and came up in North Wexford and told them what I was doing. And they got Ruth Evans, who did the illustrations for my book, on board, and Jen Halter Prender, who does all their web stuff. And between the four of us, or the five of us, we, um, we put everything up onto a website to make it free and 
to make it happen as quickly as possible. And we made a decision not to sell anything. Um, didn't want it to be commercialized. Didn't want it to become like anything other than a movement that belonged to everybody. So that's why we called it We Are The Ark. Um, and I had the image of an ark because that's from a story from when I was a kid, the idea of all these creatures being saved on this tiny little spot. Um, but it's, it's not supposed to be religious in any way. So just, we called it acts of restorative kindness to the earth, you know, just so that, and nobody thought it was some mad religious yeah. organization. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an image and it works because people immediately get it. And we ask people to put signs up in their gardens saying, this is an ark and the website underneath so that they don't have that shame that people feel when they left leave something go messy and wild now now they feel proud of it yeah and i was going to ask you about that the importance of the signage because that is kind of a big part of we are the ark that you you've got templates on your website that you can print a little template on or you can make your own just saying we are mm-hmm. the ark and the website and you stick it in your garden or wherever the weeds are so people can see it have you experienced that without without the sign how do people react like it's it's funny that they kind of need to have something written in front of them for them to accept it or something yeah it's just it's ingrained into our psyches that we have to control everything and you know that nature was always kind of seen as a dangerous thing and throughout history if you look at the history of landscape design making a boring subject and all but it is all about pushing nature away and creating these little safe spaces from all the wild animals you know <laughs> but yeah. now we need actually try and help them so I'm asking people to become guardians instead of gardeners you know to, to to be of service to those creatures and the ones you can see and the ones you can't see I mean the amount of life that's being lost below the earth um, one spray of, 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 of herbicide will kill 50% of all earthworms in the soil where it's been sprayed you know and so yeah the sign is very important because because that that kind of shame thing is is really ingrained even if you're an activist and you really want to help you still get find it difficult to explain to your neighbors or not explain to your neighbors or you know that that your garden is a mess that's that's but if you put this sign up and people go to such great lengths to make the most beautiful signs <laughs> then it changes it changes your own perception of it and other people's perception of it and the wonderful thing that happens is that life returns so quickly you know they become filled with insects and um, native plants we ask people to take out all non-invasive plants or sorry to take out um, invasive plants non-native invasive plants sorry yeah. it's a bit different <laughs> and, um, and because they're of no benefit they haven't evolved alongside the local food web so they're of no benefit to the ecosystem we we, we have decided that we have the right to, to artistically design these blank canvases that we call our little patches of this earth and that we have we, we are entitled to treat them as an artistic expression. And I, I'm actually standing up and saying that's enough of that now, guys. Gardens are over. You're either growing your own food and giving the rest of it back to nature, or you're just, sorry, but it's not enough, you know? It's not enough to keep doing that. So some people, they just cannot bring themselves to do that. So we're asking them if you'd even consider giving half of your garden back to nature or a patch of it even. Because what happens is when they give back a patch, they start to expand it because they see what comes to live there and they realize how much good they're doing and how many families they're now sharing their home with. 
even if they start with a small patch or a window box that they filled up with, with topsoil from the local area and allow the weed seed bank to emerge from that. And that will support creatures, you know. It's, so yeah, it's all about being of service really. Yeah, and there, we, there really only needs to be a tiny patch for there to be so much life. The house I lived in before the one I'm in now, it, the, in the garden, there was one corner, maybe two meters by a meter that w- w- we left completely wild and there was dogs and the rest of it that were like running around. But one morning I saw, I could see there was loads of birds on the these really tall wildflowers and I recorded it. And then they all flew away. And in the video, I paused it and was able to count. And there was 15 birds, like, just eating bugs from this tiny little patch. And it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so yeah. it's really, really important. And the sign as well. My sister has a little tiny patch of grass that isn't fenced from the neighbor. So she's letting hers grow wild. And she put up a little sign saying, don't mind the weeds, we're feeding the bees or something like that. And the neighbor, they mowed their patch. And when they would have usually just seen the neighbors and went, oh, I'll do them a favor and mow theirs as well. They left it alone completely. So she still has all the, the weeds growing in front of her house. So that, that really does make a difference. People kind of do stop and think. Um, and hopefully maybe the neighbors will get a good idea as well. But uh, you talked about being a guardian, which I like. I remember seeing you in a, in a TED talk talk about being guardians of the earth. Would you be able to explain a little bit more around being a, a guardian as opposed to how we're kind of living at the moment? Sure. Um, every single creature on the planet, it's like a web, the whole web of life. Okay. And every single one of those creatures has an important role to play in that web of life. Like, we don't understand hardly any of the relationships and how they affect others. You know, you won't have fish in the sea without trees. You know, you won't, it, there's all this really cracked relationship that you go, wow, you know, that must, that the intelligence in the system is massive. And we really don't understand them. And the basis of that whole system is wild plants and, and soil and healthy soil. And the only creature that lives on this planet that doesn't have any role to play is humans we've become a destructive force to that system. But we all we weren't always, you know, and there's still a lot of people in the world who live in harmony with nature as guardians, you know, the native people. But we've, we've, we've become so disconnected. And I, and I believe, and you know, I just, this is just my thoughts on it, that we became disconnected from the earth when the, when the kind of Christian religions came in. Because before that, in the pagan religions in Ireland, pagan is such a negative term, but there was an understanding that if we didn't take care of the land, that the land would become the wasteland. And um, the Christian religions came in and said, look, lads, you don't need to worry about this place because it's all about preparing for the next life in the fluffy clouds. It was like the earth is like a big heart that we took care of. And then when we disconnected from it and decided that we owned it rather than took care of it, it kind of shattered into all these tiny pieces and some of us are lucky enough to have a tiny piece of heart to take care of so there's a huge possibility and potential in 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 all of us stepping up and doing what we can with each of those tiny pieces and and giving nature a chance because she has no chance if we wait for leaders to step up you know politicians because they're not they're not going to you know not fast enough so they, we need to lead from below, you know, and become the leaders 
that we've been waiting for, basically, which is a lovely term I hear, Extinction Rebellion, using. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing. That's brilliant. Um, people often are hesitant to return their, their patches of earth back to nature if they have dogs or children. But in your experience, are, are you able to have a patch of uh, earth that's rewilding, that's safe for your kids to, to play in? Well, it depends on the size of your space, you know. So, I mean, I have kids, so I know that I, 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 I wouldn't have been able to do this if I only had a small amount of land because I would have to have somewhere to throw them outside, you know. They have to run around and that's just the way it is. So it depends on every individual situation is different, you know. Cats and dogs don't really go very well with wild creatures. The cats are responsible for so many bird deaths. And mm. um, so we just ask people just to be aware of this and to, you know, to, to get them to wear those bells, the ones that they don't get, they don't get caught in trees with, just to give the creatures a chance to get away. I mean, yeah. cats don't need to hunt because you're feeding them. So, you know, and the creatures need support. I understand because I, I love animals of all kinds and um, I have a dog, but I won't let her run wild in a wild place, you know, because she'd just chase all the creatures out or the, or the ground nesting birds or, you know, the leverets or whatever it is that's gone on. They don't need to hunt or chase these creatures. These creatures are really in desperate need of our support. And if we don't support wildlife and wild plants and wild creatures then we're screwed you know because the the collapse in nature in ireland is is, is almost complete our uh, nature has already collapsed in ireland people are amazed when they see butterflies or a particular insect or a bird or a wild plant and you're kind of going oh my god this is terrible you know i get really upset by that because people are so delighted when they see one thing mm. when the skies used to go black with butterflies or you know it was just the most abundant, beautiful place. And now it's just a desert, a green desert. Now it's a food desert and it's, it's, there's, no, there's very little for us or wild creatures to survive on. And we have to change everything. It would be so simple if we could just move back to local sustainable living and we could give so much land back to nature then and take the sheep off the hills, you know, allow them to rewild, pay the farmers to become to become guardians you know, don't pay them to, to keep a few sheep that are, that's not allowing anything else to survive you know it's so obvious all the stuff that needs doing it's not difficult um but unfortunately the lobby groups are very strong and powerful i guess it has to start with the people and then once enough people mobilize then when we see change but it's a it's a good place to start and it like you said it makes a difference very quickly as well we can even see in the pandemic that we're in at the moment how humans just stop traveling and flying for a while and how the sky's clear so if we just give more back um that would be amazing so i guess for a guideline for people if they want to um give a part of their garden back to nature and it's all grassy, do they need to plant wildflowers or how do they basically get started on, on creating an arc? So lawns generally, unless they're kind of, you know, patches of fields that were just mowed into a lawn, um, if they're sown lawns, they're, they're way too competitive with the native plants. So if you allow an ordinary lawn to grow tall, it'll just kind of 
fall over on itself and, and become like a patch and it just nothing really grows through it. Um, there's 5,000 weed seeds in every square foot of soil if it's a healthy soil and they're what we need to reboot an ecosystem and they only need one thirtieth of a second's worth of light to activate. So all you need to do is you do need to, some people can't do this, but if you can, if you could just scrape off the grass somehow with a spade or with, you know, just scrape off the very top because I don't want to lose any topsoil and, and make a pile of that grass on top of itself. So that'll break down, you know, somewhere in the garden. It's a great place for ground nesting bees and things. If you kind of, you know, create a little bank and maybe cover it with some twigs and things. Yeah, you can use everything to nature's advantage, basically. But anyway, back to the lawn. So you scrape off that, and then you just rake it a little bit, and the light will activate the weed seeds, okay? Now, you might find if you live in an urban situation, soil can be very damaged, you know? You might need to, to sow a meadow. Now, the ideal thing is to go and get what we call an arc meadow. So you go around your locality, and you collect weed seeds, like all the things that people are just dying to get rid of. We want them. So you collect them and you make your own meadow and you plant them into that soil. If you can find local kind of um, old woods or hedgerows, if you can take cuttings of native shrubs and trees, that'll be a huge help. And then you kind of step back and watch them come up. Um, and it is, you have to think in tree time. Might you just have to wait and watch and see if anything happens, and if nothing is happening, then you bring in the arc meadow. And if you can't get an arc meadow, then then you find your local organic um, wildflower meadow person, and that's the next best thing again. Well, I would ask people to take out non-native plants if they can. Like rhododendron kills the bees, you know. When they collect the pollen from rhododendron, it kills them. Oh, I didn't you know that. Not all of them, but poisons most of them anyway, and. People don't know that and they think, oh, but it's so pretty, I can't possibly do that. Or they talk about, and it's true, you know, that who do I think I am for saying what plants should and shouldn't be here, you know? And I understand that every plant is a living thing, but the reality is we, we, we are on this planet to take care of it. And that's the only reason, and, and maybe it's not a reason, but it's the only way we're going to get to stay here. So if you take out those plants yeah it's not an easy choice sometimes but just be aware that you know everything you eat causes pain to something and we're trying to try trying to support this little patch of earth to become as supportive to wildlife as possible you have to be a tough parent sometimes and take things out you referenced before um in a talk it's it's almost like raising children like you don't let them just run wild like you you do have to guide them a little bit because bare earth is like a vulnerable child it's looking to us because it, it doesn't have a choice we have not given sovereignty back to the land we need to set it free that's what all the myths were about we're about giving sovereignty back to the earth or else we won't be able to live here you know all those women in, in myths and everything it was all about sovereignty and um there was this practice in ireland up until the 15th century called the banishri the king or the chieftain or you know the leader had to perform these rituals called the banishri where they married the land every year that was the masculine and the feminine kind of you know that was the kind of the understanding that there had to be a balance and he if he wasn't or she wasn't taking care of the land then it would become the wasteland and we only get to live here in abundance and in harmony 
if we take care of all the other creatures and we don't get greedy and take too much yeah so land when it's bare is like a vulnerable child and it's up to us to guide it back to kind of a full maturity as much as we can because we're missing all the creatures that would naturally help balance that like wolves you know because you can't, you can't you have to have all these creatures in place for a balanced ecosystem to be there but we have islandized everything we've broken it all up there's very little hope for wildlife in in our world just there's almost no hope really so we have to bring that hope back it is it's like a weird concept that we have to treat the land like we treat a child but that's the only way I can handle it you know yeah I can like I just otherwise I just feel like I'm just being controlling or yeah like you said we're being guardians and kind of guiding it um instead of trying to make it look like a neat shaved pristine lawn um, which are so last year guys get with the program <laughs> hopefully we'll get some people to uh, give their bit of their garden back I also wanted to ask you mentioned your first book was actually about growing food so for people that are trying to start growing their own vegetables it is possible I believe to wild your garden and grow food as well how would how would you advise people on that yeah no I think that's the number one important thing to do um is to grow your own food as much as you can and support local uh, regenerative organic farmers as much as you can most of the reason these wild creatures have nowhere left to go is agriculture (laughs) industrial agriculture fishing and forestry is an absolute it's killing everything on the planet like so if we can step out of that system as much as possible it's really important so like everybody has different ways of doing it um you can do it within the concept of a forest garden but it takes a long time to develop abundance within that but if you've got a good bit of land a forest garden is a permaculture concept where you have layers of food from parent trees lower canopy trees you know shrubs um, perennials ground cover root layer and climbers you can grow a lot of food in in a small area because it's it's all on different levels but um you need to space them out a lot further in Ireland because there's not much light here. Even though on a day like today, you'd hard, hard to believe that it's, you know, the light here is not as strong as say in the tropics where, where forests, food forests would be quite common. You can do that or, you know, I rent the house I'm in at the moment. Um, I have five acres that I'm working with and turning into an ark and growing and a food forest and all that sort of thing. But I don't live there yet because I'm a disaster. I eventually get there. And, um, Anyway, but in my rented place, the landlord gave me this tiny little patch to grow food and I've been expanding it every year and he hasn't seemed to notice. But um, so what I do, I, um, I do no dig just because it's very simple and very fast here. And um, so you put down cardboard on top of the lawn, layers of cardboard, you soak it and then you put uh, peat-free compost on top of that, about six inches, and you just plant straight into it. Um, and then I cover that with some mulch and then everything does really well and there's no digging involved and then I have so I might have a strip of that and then a strip of arc and then a strip of food and then a strip of arc so that's um, a really good way of doing it because then you don't have much pest problems pest is the wrong word but you know you don't have caterpillars or yeah slugs because they're focused more on the arc they're they've got juicy flowers instead yeah there's that and also the natural predators for them have you know habitat as well so there's a bit more of a balance yeah it's important uh, just even to, to create an arc around the edges of your garden and if you have one and um 
and to, to knock holes in the walls to allow hedgehogs or other creatures to move through. Oh yeah, that's uh, something that came up on a podcast before, I think with Collianis, we were talking about like making your garden more critter friendly and yeah, if you've got like, because the brick walled gardens are just completely locking everything in and everything out, so if your neighbours are okay with it, like talk to them, isn't it? And then try chip out just a ground level hole in the wall. It yeah. doesn't have to be big. No, I mean, a, a CD sized hole kind of thing, you know, will be enough for most creatures. Like, well, you know, just a little bit bigger, I would, because I'd like to see boxes and things if I live in town. But, you know, it's a lot more exciting than seeing a dead space, you know. Um, but yeah, just make sure you're structured structurally not going to collapse on you or whatever just get some advice and yeah. you know ideally remove the walls altogether and plant um a, a living boundary like a hedge which will completely support wildlife with native plants you know a native hedge mix of wild roses hawthorn blackthorn um hazel all those things you know it's always lovely or else plant the hedge and then when the hedge is established remove the wall or you know, just work towards it a little bit by little and um, makes a big difference. And water, if you can, I mean, if you think about it, what are we missing in the system? So, I mean, there's a debate on whether wild boar were here or not, you know, all the time. But um, I, I, I like to think they were here. They would be important in the system. I'm not an ecologist. I'm only learning myself all the time, you know, and I'm studying ecosystem restoration and trying to catch up, you know, because I, I, all this is new to me as much as anyone else, you know, but I just, I'm very passionate about it. I'm very sure it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I'm very sure that gardens need to be finished and that this is a new time in history for stop treating the planet like it's something for us. It's not, you know, but um, pond is a good idea because yeah. wild boars would naturally kind of, they'd scuff up the, the soil or, you know, and, and they create little ephemeral ponds. They're really important for wildlife. Um, and they'd also expose the annual weed seeds. So I always ask people to scuff up a little area every year and expose more weed seeds because those weeds don't get the chance to come out otherwise. You know, or else if it becomes all brambles, there's no deer to eat back the new shoots. So it's nothing but brambles. You need to kind of find a balance, you know. But it's easy to make a pond. In my little patch out there, I just have a, a big basin that I've sunk into each of the arcs, you know. And then I fill that with rocks um, so that if anything goes in, they can get out again and then fill it with rainwater, you know. But in my five acres, my, my land, I, I'm digging out ponds and stuff because there's ghost ponds. There used to be ponds there until farmers filled them in. You know? Oh, that was actually something I was going to ask. If you know the patch of earth that you, you're a guardian of used to be either a forest or... Um, used to have a pond there should you kind of be restoring it to what you know people had seen before or how you'd seen it documented or should you just let it become whatever it wants in a, in a new way all land wants to become woodland unless it's um you know the top of the mountain or a floodplain or something you know so i would be understanding you know that that's where it's going you know it really depends on your situation I mean I, I don't have very small children so having a pond is not an issue you know so if you're going to do that or, and you have kids or whatever you wouldn't necessarily want to do it until they're a little older or maybe you would it depends on the person I mean I wouldn't have minded you know the kids I'd been on top of them anyway but um it's not always that simple so um 
anyway, without all the missing creatures, land would eventually become a, a dense canopy of woodland, you know, because it doesn't have kind of the big mammals to knock down, you know, young trees or the grazers or, in, so we have to become all those creatures. So we can't really allow it, sorry for the whole control words, but to become a dense canopy because there's very little life in a woodland with darkness underneath, you know. You kind of have to, to, to be the light holders, you know, to, to be all those creatures that are missing and to understand that you have to have, you know, patches within it that are coppiced, that you, you cut down the wood and you create light spaces so that it doesn't become this heavy canopy. Now, it's a long way ahead. And in a small garden, you know, it's not even an option, do you know? Yeah. But if, if you have a good piece of land, yeah, there's, there's work involved because we've taken out all the wolves and everything. We have to, we have to do this work. Sure, you know, you could be gardening and that's a lot more hard work and a lot more boring, you know. So with this, you're, you're doing something really valuable and, and, and it's really valuable for our souls because you just feel really empowered because you see how quickly nature can recover if you just step in and help. And then you walk out and you see all these patches of bare green in everybody else's lawns or in the county council or in local government organizations. And you go, why? Like, why? That's all wrong. And people put up signs saying this could be an arc, you know, um, just to strike up conversations, you know. Yeah. So it just changes everything because it empowers people. And when you empower people, they suddenly become warriors for nature, you know. And and this is a really positive thing it's because even in the facebook group we've a really strong policy I've, I've a load of admins that are just wonderful that work with me on it you know because i can't be doing it all the time you know the lads are brilliant and I, i've never met them but they're all we just have great crack you know and they're really lovely people and one of our strongest rules is kindness you know this is acts of restorative kindness and negativity we won't allow any negativity into that facebook group we really want it to be a place of hope which you can't find anywhere else. Now, if you go to my Facebook page, I'll scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> yeah, you're always sharing really good articles. Um, yeah, I'll be linking the Facebook group for for people to join in the show notes. Um, it's a re- it's a really lovely, uh, lovely supportive group, and there's always really good ideas in there. And then arcs from all. It's not just Ireland. Like there's people from all over the world doing their bit with with the land that they have which is amazing but you mentioned something there about government land and councils and something which is the last thing I kind of want to ask you about is you also work on local public land so how do you approach your local council if you know that there is a patch of land somewhere that all they're doing with is just coming out and mowing and that and that's it how do you approach them who in council in the council do you contact and are there any kind of resources you need to send them for them to believe what you're doing isn't like crazy or whatever well we have we have a section for local councils on the website so you could send them that or you contact whoever you know you know in ireland it's always the same who do you know, <laughs> you know? or who do you know who knows somebody in there and just mm. get to talk to someone or even write a letter because they have to respond you know um and the more people who suggest it, councils are very easily led. Um, the, the people who contact the councils most are people who are giving out about places being untidy, you know. So we need to we need to be louder than them, basically, and say we want it to be untidy. You know, we want it to be full of life. And it's a win-win for them because they're leaving it 
go wild and putting up signs and that's all you know the local men's sheds make the signs so what's the problem you know it's it's a win-win they don't they, they have all this extra manpower that they can do other stuff with everything is unique every situation is unique just do what you can you know yeah and if there's any teachers or anyone who works in schools listening like if they can do that with the patch of the school and i mean mm-hmm. That would be really good for education because a lot of people, like you said, haven't seen wildlife. We haven't seen, I can't remember the last time I've seen a hairy molly caterpillar. Oh, yeah. Like I know I'm also living in Dublin, but. Um, no, I haven't seen one in years. Yeah. And I see them all the time growing up as a kid. So, and kids get amazed when you see ladybirds, for example. So if there's a patch of a wild land in a schoolyard, it can absolutely be used in their education and, and on break times, oh my God, I, I would have been having so much fun. Um, but we were all like sitting against a wall being the cool kids instead. So there's absolutely like so many pros. The other thing is lighting. We have the major problem of chemicals in agriculture and in gardening. That has to stop and it will stop because it's killing everything. But another major problem that people don't even realize is lighting is a major problem. So when we moved from kind of amber lights into the blue and white toned led lights which are in all the street lights and most people's outdoor bulbs they blind wildlife they blind the 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 night pollinators so we have wiped them out almost you know if you've no food for bats you know there's a there's a whole knock-on effect without those pollinators like those moths that they 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 create a lot of the grubs or the caterpillars or whatever that feed the baby birds in the nests you know like that's baby food for birds it's just we don't have them anymore because they they can't see so they can't pollinate they can't reproduce so they can't feed themselves that's a disaster so if you do have any outdoor lighting or say it to your council you know that has to change at policy level because councils seem to find very hard to do things on their own which is kind of sad it'd be really nice if they took more power Mm. and just said no we're going to change all the light bulbs back to amber tones you know, but we'll get there. It's just, yeah. just a little bit. So we'll start with our patch of the earth and then just do what you can yeah. inside of that. And if you have one of those back garden lights, get uh, one of those automatic switch off ones or just make sure you only to turn it on when you're using it, when you need it or whatever, and then to turn it off. But I presume okay. you, like you can buy amber lights in hardware shops, which are open now. Yeah. <laughs> so people should be yeah. able to find those. Um yeah. amazing. We've covered loads there. Unless there's anything else in related to the arc. I mean, there's just so much information on the website. So if anyone has any further questions, I would always direct them there and then to join the Facebook group for kind of ongoing support and ideas. Unless there's anything else you want to add, have you any other advice for people, I guess, in general when it comes to eco-friendly living or in this weird time with the pandemic that we're in now that you'd like to to share with anyone yeah i think maybe um we do need to learn a few more ancestral skills like growing food and how to heal with herbs and plants and wild plants i think to empower yourself to be independent outside of the system will will make you feel better you know try and dream up a good vision of the earth ahead of us because most people are just holding this vision of collapse and darkness and actually rob hopkins wrote a beautiful book called what is to what if or something like that but it's a vision of the future and i think 
more of that needs to happen because you know when you look back when you, you're very young but when when i'm when i look back they would have had all these mad visions of things like from star trek or whatever and they all came true it's and, and i'm convinced that it's because somebody imagined it and then the energy created it you know so that sounds a bit wacky but i think unless we create a beautiful vision for our future it'll be very hard for us to move towards it so I think it's important for people to focus on the beautiful future that, that is possible. That would help. And then just keep working towards it. But to always hold the image that everything is going to be okay. Because it's hard to believe that these days because we're surrounded by so much disempowerment. Yes. This is a lovely message to end on, Mary. Thank you so, so much for chatting to me this morning. I really appreciate it. Now, there we go. I hope you guys were able to take away something from that and we ended on a very hopeful note so it's really important to envision the future that we all want to have because it is possible. A few things, we mentioned a couple of books in there, they're linked below. If whatever podcast platform you're listening on doesn't have links, if it just says text and you can't actually click into anything, that's just a a way that they've copied it but if you go onto the website bookovelyspodcast.com everything is linked there and the most recent episode is always on the the homepage as well so it's easy to find don't forget to join their Facebook group that's linked as well and the website has so much information I'm just going to read out like a quick snippet of what they have on wearethearc.org so they've got loads of resources if you want to build an arc from lists of invasive species depending on what country you're in they've got lists of invasive species for Australia America etc etc they've got lists of native species they've got documents up there and articles to read all related to rewilding and basically building the the future that we want to have and there's a 12-step guide to building your own arc which has everything and there's a guide to contacting your local council or if you're a school how how to build an arc at your school and there's also templates that you can download there's just a lot a lot of resource material we barely touched the tip of the iceberg in the uh, iceberg the iceberg in this episode so if you want to know more check out wearethearc.org it answers a lot more questions and of course the Facebook group as well for some live interaction and support is very helpful now what I was going to say if you did enjoy this podcast there's three other podcasts that have kind of link to what we talk about here so check out episode 25 with Sinead from Extinction Rebellion and the Be a Hero campaign where there's a lot of advice on how to grow your own food organically at home that doesn't really affect wildlife so if you are interested in growing food episode 25 is for you also episode 15 with Collie Ennis we talk a lot about doing certain things like creating little ponds and Mary talked about making a bank of, of leaves and covering that with twigs to help solitary bee species and things like that. We delve really deep into that with Collie Ennis in episode 15. So if you're interested in that kind of biodiversity, check that out. And in episode 12, we interview an activist from Extinction Rebellion called Cormac Nugent and we talk a lot about climate science and that but the reason that's also very heavily linked aside from climate change is the activism so as Mary said and we talked about what we're doing really makes a difference your small patch of earth will attract so much life 
and it is really it really is amazing to see and so simple to do but on the grand scheme of things we need systematic corporate change and the only way we can do that the only way we can get policy change is activism from people grassroots movements where the population tells the government what they want and in episode 12 we go into that and we go into the 3.5% rule which is basically a study that shows if 3.5% of the population mobilise the government start to listen. For example Irish water. So many people came out that the government was forced to listen and our government and a lot of governments around the world are typically corporate led and that is not okay for us and it's not okay for the planet and we need to change that so support the politicians that are against that kind of thing that want to to change and join political parties if you want I would really recommend joining Extinction Rebellion and getting involved with them you don't have to risk your job or risk anything by getting involved but getting onto the street or getting joining these communities and campaigns and following the likes of Friends of the Earth and Not Here Not Anywhere and signing petitions and really really important having conversations with your family and your friends that are close to you. A lot of you know typical Irish families were very well known for being set in our ways and having the pristine lawn and having our meat and two veg and not we're not very big fans of change even though we've gone through a lot a lot a lot of change so really have these conversations with your friends. Sometimes you can feel if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you're, you know, you're in an echo chamber. You're, you've got the same kind of circle of people who already think like you. Not everyone in your family or your friend circle will think like you. So ignite these, these conversations, um, have empathy. You know, people will be very likely if you start talking to them about their lawn. <laughs> My dad, for example, uh, he was out mowing the grass and I was like, did you have to? And straight away, the defense walls go up, which is a natural thing. So the only way to get through that is to have dialogue. Don't shut each other out. We need to talk to each other about our use of pesticides, etc. But we really need to get on the streets and I can't wait for these restrictions to lift so I can start campaigning with other like-minded people who are being the leaders that we need to have so that's really important sorry for the sidetrack there but activism and lobbying governments is so 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 important and you never know when you might be the the last monkey on the tree the last person to get it to that 3.5 percent mark it is really important so the more people that get involved with with activism and that takes many forms it could be phoning your td sending emails signing petitions having those conversations you are an activist then and it makes a difference i can see it in the small circle around me people start to change and if you lead by example your friends and family will follow because we haven't got a lot of time to fix this so it is really important that we do address it as soon as possible and I find as well I know in this time it can be really hard for a lot of people in this pandemic to give to other causes and I totally understand that if if you can't that's totally okay I personally find that in dire situations like we're in at the moment what gives me hope and what helps me is finding the the people that are trying to make things better than they are at the moment 
and it gives me that hope. So that's what the likes of Extinction Rebellion and these groups on Facebook do. These are people that even in the darkest times like we're in today, they're still trying to make things better. So look out for those people. Find out what groups they're in. Find your local cleanup group. There's cleanup groups that are going out and doing socially distanced cleanups and don't forget, contact your councils, try get them to build an ark. And yeah, just f- find your tribe, basically. This is a tribe, the Book of Lee's podcast. And I'm so appreciative of the small little community we have here. So get in touch. If you've any questions, if you've any feedback, if you've any suggestions, or if you want to be on the podcast, there's no requirements. You don't need to have a business or or, or have won gold in the Chelsea Flower Garden show. If you're doing something good for the planet, I want to hear from you. Let me know. And if you want to be in a podcast, this very well could be the podcast for you. So I hope you enjoy this. Please don't forget to share it with a friend share with people that have land and are even sick of mowing it all the time you know that takes a lot of work I used to hate mowing the grass growing up so this can be a way it's less work for you and you get to reap so many benefits by watching wildlife it's amazing I went to walk in a local park here two days ago and the excitement we saw when we saw fish in the pond was just amazing I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share this episode. Please rate it if you're on Apple Podcasts, especially. It really helps other people find it. So give it a review. And yeah, that's it really. And if you can support it on Patreon or buymeacoffee.com, that would be so amazing. Thank you so much, guys. I will join you in two weeks time for another episode of Book of Leaves. In the meantime, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask if you can. And I'm sending you a lot of love and don't forget your eco-friendly sun cream. And I will talk to you soon, guys. Bye.